Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Welcome to like Paul when he anything is potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you recording on Tuesday, December 6th, after the Celtics have just won a back-to-back to start their road trip. Uh, get one win against the Brooklyn Nets, another win uh, up in Toronto against the Raptors. Jay, I gotta say, I've been a little sick over the the past couple of weekends, so I watched the games, but I, I'm I'm not gonna say I uh my have the best analysis, and so I'm gonna lean on you to tell me what's happened in Celtics land over the past uh, four games. Uh, so let's start with the last two games. Okay, are- let's do it the the two games on the road the back to back uh the Celtics like they didn't have their best game at all in either of those games and in Brooklyn they just kind of kept playing defense they kept playing defense uh Joe Mazzulla did his whole don't call a timeout early thing while the Celtics were down 11 to 2 and then they went on a 14-0 run immediately and then the Nets actually had a call timeout, which was kind of a wild timeout swing there. Uh, but yeah, they their offense just didn't look great in that game. Uh, probably the worst their offense has played all season, if if not like pretty close. So, but their defense they forced a bunch of turnovers. Tatum and Brown both got the better of KD down the stretch. KD had, I think it was. Five turnovers in the fourth quarter. Uh, Tatum ripped him twice. Jalen kind of the ball must have been slippery though. The <laughs> a ball lot of wide open slippery. dunks for the Celtics in that game. You think it was a slippery but, ball? <laughs> well, Al Horford had the three from the corner that just like went halfway to the hoop, and <laughs> and Tatum said the ball was slippery. And then on one fourth quarter play, Durant had kind of a similar thing happen where he went up for his shot and it just slipped, popped right out. Uh, so ball might've been very slippery, but yeah, I think the last couple games were games that like good teams lose a lot of the time. Um, but great teams find a way to, to overcome their, their inadequacies. And I just felt like the first half against Toronto Celtics just didn't have it, no energy. Um, and then third quarter, they just turned it on. And Tatum was awesome. Marcus Smart was awesome. And, like, to have that type of game on the second night of a back-to-back with no Al Horford, no Malcolm Brogdon, no Robert Williams, who hasn't played all season, um, but still worth worth mentioning. Like, you're down 
two your two best big men. You're starting Blake Griffin, who rarely plays, but has been pretty okay when he does get his spot starts. Um, and I I think that that's a sign of a a great team to kind of find a way to to get that one, um, and to do it on the road, second night of a back to back in Toronto against a pretty good Raptors team that was, you know, pretty healthy. So just uh, that was really impressive to me be, just because they did not have it and they still were able to pull away and still were able to, I mean, down, down the stretch of the fourth quarter, they, they weren't like super sharp. They kind of no. kind of let the Raptors like semi get back into the game, but not really. Um, it was never too close. And to be able to do that on the second night of back to back when you don't have it, and it was clear like they just didn't have their normal energy from the start, like that's that's impressive. Um, and you you can almost see the Celtics like get to the point where they're like, okay, okay, it's time, <laughs> it's time, and then they just kind of turned it on and and ran away from the Raptors. I think that's the it's a very impressive thing. It going back to. So they absolutely thrash the Heat in the first game. Jason Tatum scores a ridiculous amount of points. Um, and then they 49, really stroke. Not quite 50. Not quite 50. Uh, they almost they almost got technical fouls so much so that he could get 50, but it didn't happen. But then they really struggle against the Heat on Friday night. Lots of turnovers. Clearly, we're not playing their best basketball. Um, just couldn't deal with the zone. Turnovers galore. Jason uh, Jason Tatum couldn't hit a shot. And you're right. It, it clearly they weren't like clicking, weren't having this the league's best offense. Uh, but they found a way to win. And you talked about how their offense like didn't really click uh, uh, against the Nets. But Jalen Brown still scored 34 points, and Jason Tatum still scored 29 points. It feels like uh, the ceiling or the floor for this team is has been raised so much, where it's like those guys can have uh, huge outputs and, and like kind of like these big numbers but you can still tell when their offense is just not clicking as much and I, I agree with you that I think it was impressive uh, on both nights where it felt like they didn't have it more so in the Toronto when you didn't have Al Horford but also they didn't have Marcus Smart in that uh that Brooklyn Nets game and his like absence this, was was very noticeable yes he's he's one of the guys who's making their offense work um but it's like they're you would expect them to kind of lose one of those games in the back-to-back, especially when they're clearly just not playing their best. But in both ways, they found a way to win. They did almost choke away the game uh, against the Raptors, but it's just they keep on – like it, every time I would look up, it was like the, they weren't playing that well against the Raptors. So it was like, oh, quick 10-0 run. Like the ability of this team to just like string points together or string together four or five, six possessions, and then all of a sudden they're back in this game where the lead has been extended to 10 – is just super impressive. Even on nights where they're not like clicking, you just can't let your guard down against the Celtics because they're gonna pull twelve points on you so quickly. Yeah, and and it feels like they're always around the corner from one of those eruptions. Uh, I feel like like they have a formula that they know they can use to win games, right? Like they know how to score points they know what they need to do and and they know their offensive identity so well that like like a lot of the times it feels like it's just like 
like they're just going out there and doing it habitually. Um, and, and like a lot of the time, I don't think they have to like put too much stress into it, honestly. And so these last few games where Miami was really up for the challenge, uh, like they played great. Like Jimmy Butler was just totally disrupted. I don't, I don't understand his mid range jump shot ability, but it's, uh, unprecedented. It's DeMar DeRozan levels. Some of the shots he hit late in that game on Friday were absurd. Yeah, and and so I feel like the Celtics have have almost been such a machine that they haven't really had too many times where they have to like figure things out and and go against a, a team that's kind of taking them out of what they want to be. Uh, and I felt like that that Miami game brought that a little bit, where the Heat forced a ton of turnovers. They were really into the passing lanes. Uh, they really made the Celtics like dig deep and obviously they didn't get that win but I felt like like they I don't know if they needed that because they went to the finals like a, a regular season game isn't going to really teach them too much um but it was one of the first times where I felt like they they got uncomfortable and had to live with being uncomfortable um and then same thing happened in Brooklyn obviously Nets aren't the best defense but th- they took the Celtics out of what they wanted to do, who they want to be. Celtics only had 18 assists in that game, their lowest by far in a long time. Uh, and then the Toronto, Toronto is another team that like they only play six, eight guys and they can make things really uncomfortable for you. And when I think Toronto, that- when Toronto is forcing turnovers, it's like, I don't understand how they're not the most like unstoppable team in the league. Like when they're really clicking on defense and, uh, have all of their guys go in. It's like, wow, this team should be really good. But then if you get them at all to force them to play in the half court, you're like, oh, this kind of makes sense. Like why they're they don't make any jump shots. It's just it's so wild how how much transition is such a, a key to their team. And so they really like pound like pressure the basketball and do a really good job of it. And I thought the Celtics like didn't they they fell into Toronto's trap kind of there in the uh the first half and the second half they came out and did a lot better but Toronto it's just like so wild how much different the Toronto is just like when they can create a little bit of turnovers and not just play half court the whole time because their half court offense not impressive everything else in their defense and like uh, what they do in transition is uh like they should I feel like their record should be a lot better the Raptors yeah because I just see them like be so good in transition, and then it's like, why don't you just do this constantly? But uh, that seems uh, and they live they live in transition. Like their whole goal is to just get out in transition and beat you. Because probably because they know that if they don't, <laughs> then they they are pretty pretty normal, pretty average. Um, but yeah, so they can make you very uncomfortable too. Uh, so I felt this has just been. A pretty good stretch for the Celtics, I think. A stretch that they can, they can take stuff away from, um, because they haven't been the machine. You know, they've, they haven't been just, just really humming through teams. Like they've had to figure some stuff out on their own, on the fly. Now, did you expect Blake Griffin to be the unsung hero of the night, starting in place of Al Horford? How was he unsung? That was pretty fucking sung. <laughs> um. I don't know. I was just kind of speaking in cliches, and uh, to be honest, I don't even know the definition of what unsung. He was not celebrated. Is unsung? Is that what that means? Because I'll have to retract that then. Everyone was celebrating that man. Well, I'm looking up the definition of the word unsung. Fine. How? Just 
what you did you expect Blake Griffin <laughs> to come out and score? You have me flabbergasted here. Yeah, he was celebrated. He was not an unsung hero. He was a sung hero. Uh, he was sung as fuck. We we'll sing the praises of Blake Griffin having that game winning tip in uh, and scoring. What was that? Thirteen points in that game. Yeah, Blake thirteen Griffin. points, eight rebounds from uh, Blake Griffin. It's been very cool just to see him be like, I'm the back to back. When Al Horford's back hurts uh, every time, very weird coincidence yeah, that his crazy back hurts every. How he always wakes up with back pain on the second leg of back to backs. But good thing that his trusty old friend Blake Griffin, uh, who's been in the league basically the same amount of time there, is always there to come in and start. And we see this before where Blake Griffin will start and then not like you know he like probably finished with ten minutes. He played thirty three minutes last night and taking charges, but then had that huge tip in. Uh, at the end of the game to kind of seal it when the Celtics were basically trying to give the game away. I did not see... I thought Blake Griffin was completely washed. Apparently, I should have been wrong when uh, he had that crazy dunk in Boston a couple weeks ago. He had another huge dunk uh, against the Raptors. Um, I, I don't know. I just like this role for him as this guy he, who plays back-to-backs for Al Horford. Like It feels like a pretty good fit for him. He can still fly a little bit when he doesn't have to fly very often. That's wise words. Wise words from Jay King. Sung hero. <laughs> Sung hero, Blake Griffin. No, but it is pretty impressive. I think they're now undefeated in games that Blake Griffin has started. That would make Cause, sense. Because they're, they're they five lost on the five second times. leg of back-to-backs. Um, and I think he's only started on the second leg of back-to-backs. Let me check this out real quick. I have to make sure that I am correct. Yes, they beat the Knicks, they beat the Pistons, they beat the Hornets, they beat the Raptors, 4-0 in his starts. Well, maybe he's he's the key to success here, but um, yeah, just didn't see it coming. Pleasant surprise for Celtics fans that Blake Griffin can just uh, kind of have this contribution. And, and in, know, a, in a weird way, his, his play yesterday against the Raptors kind of made me just have even more appreciation for Al Horford because <laughs> Al Horford is three years older than Blake Griffin which is wild and Blake Griffin played 32 minutes and it like it was a crazy thing because Blake Griffin his body like just hasn't been totally up to par um and obviously he he's lost like a lot of lift everything like that Al Horford is three years older and he plays like 31 minutes per game every night, except the second leg of back-to-backs. And so it just kind of gives you a, a perspective of how long Al Horford has been doing this, how impressive it is that he's still able to be physically capable in a league that has gone away from big men a lot, of, and especially like, like less – less athletic big men, which most guys would become when they're 36, but Al Horford has not become. Uh, so just just truly impressive. And uh, I probably shouldn't be waxing about Al Horford um, because this is Blake Griffin's moment. But, no, no, no. But it does, Blake it does. Griffin is unsung, um, and it's a perfect transition into Al Horford got a contract extension. Uh, he will be for the Celtic with the Celtics – Two years after this, $20 million, or I think it was nineteen five. Um, 
So well into, I think he turns, will be 40 by the end of that contract, basically locks in another part of this core. Um, and he's making $27 million this year. So a, a bit of a pay cut, but um, I think that makes sense for where his age. What was your reaction to the Celtics and Brad Stevens um, just, you know, what, locking up Al Horford for another two years? Is, is Al Horford Brad Stevens' favorite player? Like everything he does is just all about getting out more Al Horford. Well, Br- Brad has been an extension guy, with the exception Huge of, of Grant Williams. Uh, he's handed out a lot of extensions. Marcus Smart extension, Robert Williams extension, Al Horford extension, Josh Richardson extension. That's a thing. He can extend and still trade you, He, but he does like to extend. Yeah, big ex- extend guy. So, But I, I think it's just it makes sense for both sides. Uh, Horford clearly still impactful clear clearly a, a big part of what the Celtics are doing and will continue to do um and from his perspective he probably could have chased a little bit more money after this season but realistically like he's going to be 37 or he would have been 37 when he hit free agency and I'm not sure anyone would have given him much more than the Celtics did so he could have chased like a few more bucks, but the flip side of that is now he's locked into a team that he believes in, a place where he believes they can compete for championships, and his the last few years of his career will be meaningful, um, and playing in big games, and playing for a team that I think he really appreciates, just the way the Celtics are playing. Like Al Horford just appreciates beautiful basketball and winning basketball and and I feel like he's always like when the Celtics first started their turnaround last year I feel like Al Horford was the happiest guy in the world (laughs) and remember they were beating the shit out of bad teams at first and so people were skeptical that they had actually turned around and Al was like oh no Oh no, like we we are doing things differently now. We are playing the right brand of basketball. Like it doesn't matter who we've beaten, just the way we're playing. Like that's that's what it's about. And so I I feel like he just really wants to be in Boston. Uh he saw in Philadelphia, he saw in Oklahoma City like two different ways for things to go kind of poorly for him. Um one because he just didn't fit in Philly and two because the Thunder just didn't have a team that was capable of winning. Uh, so he likes where he is and just kind of makes sense for both sides. Yeah. It's, it's low risk for the Celtics, like $10 million a year. There's no like one that I guess if you could trade it, that's Tristan you, Thompson money. Exactly. It, uh, he's so much better than Tristan Thompson, but Al Horford is shooting 46% from three this year. Um, still giving you 10 points a game. You basically have him on a program where, He's doesn't have to play back to backs. He's you said 31 minutes a game. I would hope and imagine that would go down when Robert Williams returns, which is how you segue to a new topic. Um, Robert Williams is back uh, or soon or will be back. He's playing five on five. Uh, Jay King at Celtics practice, taking footage of him for uh, Twitter out there. Joe Missoula saying he's coming back soon. I know there's not a, a, a obvious timetable for when he is going to return, but clearly he's making steps in the right direction. Jay, how do you think they like kind of work him back into the lineup? Do you think they like 
bring him off the bench? Do you think they limit him to like time limit, like minutes restrictions, like 20 minutes a game to start? How do you think that impacts this team? And do you think it changes kind of like, I don't know, I guess the, the concern is it changes their historically great uh, offense. Obviously, you think he's going to have an impact on the defensive end. But what do you think the impact of Rob Williams returning has uh, just on, on the rotation and uh, on, on how this team's playing right now? It'll be really interesting to see what Missoula does because I do think it's going to take a while for Robert Williams to get back to game shape. Um, like he he hasn't played in a while, and like it's it's going to take him a while to get his rhythm back, get his conditioning back, uh, to to be to be the guy who just jumps and jumps and jumps and jumps and jumps. No, he's I mean he's that he's he's that right now. Like he always loves jumping, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and then for Missoula, like this this team has been winning because of offense and and the formula is different right now than it was last season like they're playing small lineups they're playing a ton of shooting they are spreading the court and and they've had a lot of success that way does Missoula start Robert Williams next to Al Horford and go big and change the identity a little bit get get more defensive minded does he bring Robert Williams off the bench? Uh, just put him in the Luke Cornett role, and and try it like that. I think, I think Missoula has options, and I think, like depending on situation, you could see them go big, you could see them go small, but it it will be a a decision for Missoula. I don't think it's obvious. Like, yeah, just start Robert Williams next to Al Horford and. Because what they're doing right now with all the offense, like that, that's working too. Uh, yeah, how but, many two big lineups have they used this year? And like, very few. Do you do you, do you count a Grant Williams lineup as a two big lineup, or is that just he's just a floor spacer? Because I can't think of a situation like even if you have Grant and Al out there, or Grant and Cornette, that's still a guy who's a legitimate knockdown shooter from like who can be in the corner. I just. Al Horford is great and he can he is shooting 46% from the field but there's a difference with playing Al Horford at power forward than playing Grant Williams at power forward and it's just the spacing and all the things that made the offense so great now it just you can't imagine that it would be the exact same if you have Al and Rob Williams on the floor at the same time. Yeah, and like that's a good problem to have, right? Like choosing between the best offense in history or the best like, defense in the, history, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a pretty good problem to have. And I think ultimately Robert Williams' return will will give the Celtics a lot of flexibility to change their styles that they haven't had yet. Um, like you said, the the two big lineup, like how often has Horford played with Cornette or Blake Griffin or Noah Vonley? Like very, very rarely. And the the Celtics, like they've tried playing big a couple of times, but not really. Um, and never consistently. So it's going to be a change for them. The, the thing that I think could be like just totally dominant is Robert Williams in bench units in the Luke Cornett role, because like those units that they've played with the bench with Malcolm Brogdon, Sam Hauser, Grant Williams, um, Jason oh, the, I think the I think people refer to it as the Legion of Boom. I, I, that's what n- normally what I hear it referred uh, to as, or or Boom Shakalaka. 
Yeah, that's what most people say. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> just a little nickname humor there. <laughs> yeah. But that works with Luke Cornett putting pressure on the rim. Like, imagine how it's going to be when Robert Williams is the one putting pressure on the rim and how open that's going to make Sam Hauser, how open that's going to make Grant Williams, how how open that's going to make Jason Tatum and Malcolm Brogdon. Like, that is just going to be a tough, tough, tough lineup for teams to handle. And and I, I really think, like, that could be an absolute differentiator for the Celtics. And Luke Cornett, like, he's been pretty good. But with Robert Williams in there, his activity, his athleticism, his like just the the amount of stress he puts on a defense is going to be really, really, really tough for opponents to handle. Like that, that to me is a lineup that that could be just outrageous, especially like, against bench units. And that's kind of the luxury of Rob Williams returning is that. The Celtics are playing so well, you don't need Rob Williams when he comes back to immediately step in and be 30 minutes a night. You basically just need him to come in and play Luke Cornett's role and 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 like work that way up. And you're right, like that as much as I love Luke Cornett, as much as I thought there's another chance at a double-double uh last night against the Raptors, he just doesn't rebound the ball enough. Luke Cornett Boxes out, let other people get the rebound. So I don't think he's going to get two double-doubles by Christmas, but we'll see. But Rob Williams could come back and play 15 minutes a night or 20 minutes a night. The Celtics are playing so well that obviously I think at their top tier, you're going to want to start Robert Williams and he's going to be one of your top guys. But right now, because they're playing so well and the type of basketball they're playing, let him work his way back and let him play on those bench units. And I agree they're going to be dangerous. And I think having like the option of going double big, I don't think it's uh, necessarily going to be their their best unit. But like the the thing that I think it just makes them more dangerous and more versatile. And and playing against teams that are slightly bigger, maybe you're going to want to have that uh, just as an option that Bazooka Joe can go to. You know, like playing against the teams like the Cavs, who they've lost to twice, who have two big men. Maybe it just makes things a little bit easier for them, but they're in this position where their season is not riding on the return of Robert Williams. It's like anything he kind of gives you as you build back up is just a bonus at this point. Yeah, but let's be honest. Like They need him functioning at a high level to By to April, reach, though. They to need reach it their like ceiling. They- yeah, yeah. And and that's that's going to be the journey of finding out where he fits. Um, should he start? Should he not start? How often will he be in the closing lineup versus Horford? How often will he be in the closing lineup with Horford? Uh, and again, like these are just, it's good to have that additional flexibility. And last year, the Celtics, I, I think they felt like when they went small, they didn't have too many options to do so. Um, and now they have more options. You know, they, they with Malcolm Brogdon, that's a big deal. Um, Derek White has been shooting really well lately. Like that could be a game changer for them if if it's sustainable. And then having the option to go bigger and more athletic with Robert Williams, like that's it's just Joe Mazzula is gonna have a lot more options once Rob returns than he does right now. And it's like it's like when you're at the beach and you only have the tools to build 
a small sandcastle, and then your friend comes along and brings a Rob Williams-sized bucket, and now you can build a much bigger sandcastle. Um, you have more sandcastle options, is what I, I'm trying to say. I can't believe I wrote about sandcastles. <laughs> I, I can't believe it either, but I uh, enjoy the fact that you did. What That I, was I just had, the most ridiculous I to, quote. Can, I had to Google search for magnetic sand, because I wasn't sure what magnetic sand is. Um, but I, tell me what magnetic some. sand is. They have some in their locker room. Uh, so I, I, I believe it's like, like sand <laughs> inside like a, a glass where you can touch it and it like moves. Right. I could be wrong though. Uh, oh, so you're saying sand with like magnets in it. Yeah. I don't know. Can you explain just the fuller context for the uh, for the listeners out there who may not have read uh, your story about the magnetic sand? Yeah, so the essentially Joe Mazzulla told the Celtics on the first day of training camp, like he gave them this whole metaphor about sandcastles and how you have to build a sandcastle every day because it's going to get wiped away by the tide, and then the next day you got to just do it all over again. Basically saying like we need to do it every day we need to work on our habits every day and it's a real kaizen mind trick it's a real growth mindset uh type of metaphor if i do say so myself and the cell they were kind of hilarious like sort of shitting on on it but also (laughs) but also buying into it like marcus smart i i my first question about santa guys i don't even remember what what the question was but he goes man I wish I never had to see a sandcastle ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so he, show, he shows him a sandcastle every day, right? Literally every single day, he shows either a, a a photo of a sandcastle or video of a sandcastle. One day, so they have magnetic sand in their film room, just sort of re- really building out the metaphor. <laughs> really, and, <laughs> and and one day, Missoula punched the magnetic sand like our sandcastle's gone. We got to build a new one, guys like literally giving them the imagery himself. Um, and and I, I was like, is that after a loss? Like, was he pissed off? They were like, no, no, that was a, that was a day after a win. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he wasn't pissed. He was just, just trying to, to emphasize the message a little bit. Um, but I just yeah, love the idea of him being like the first day of just being like giving it to the video guy. I mean, like, look, we're going with the sandcastle metaphor. and <laughs> This is going to be our thing. It's a bold play from Joe Mazzulla, rookie head coach. Do you think, like, Emei would have stuffed him in a locker if he if oh, he brought yeah. up that idea, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm surprised uh, no one on the Celtics did. I mean, I love how they just all called him out for being like, yeah, it's pretty corny, but we understand it's a metaphor. Um, and yeah, we have to put the work in, but he's he's been really consistent. He loves the sandcastle metaphor. You know who was big into the sandcastle metaphor, and I, I didn't, I didn't put the quote into my story, um, but I got to share it now because Luke Cornett gave like just, <laughs> a, a eloquent answer about just, sandcastles and their how they fit in time and space. It was such an eloquent <laughs> answer about sandcastles. I, I got to get the full quote here so that I don't fuck it up, um, because it was majestic. Um, he's <laughs> he, like, he turned it into the, like a philosophical thing about how people learn. 
So I asked him if the message hit, and he, sh- he said, I actually like it. I think it's great to just have a little image that ties in the whole idea versus having to say the words every time. And it's how we kind of work, honestly, as people. Images can translate a whole lot more than just having to say it over and over again. So I think it's effective. It's an easy way to just kind of register a whole web of ideas and thoughts. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just just really into the idea of using a, an image rather than words. That's that's beautiful, and that's that's Boston Celtics basketball right now, just building sandcastle after sandcastle. Um, magnetic sand. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Are you ready for the for, you ready for the the um unsung hero of this show? Uh no, he's sung, I would say. The sung hero of this show, the one who's been really imp- upped his game um over the past year. Oh, yes I am. Joshua B, come on down. How's it going, Joshua? Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing hey, well, great, baby. This has been the good podcast. This is what I'm waiting for. for <laughs> this is the move. Um, I'm, I'm just the Grant Williams of this podcast. You guys are the Tatum and the Brown. All I do is move to the side and shoot a three. That's it, literally. I well, now you know you've you've upped your game, and now you can attack the basket a little bit more. So here's so here's what I've got for you <laughs> about about the singing. Um, the entire Celtics team is unsung. The definition of unsung. <laughs> Celebrating in the moment, Blake Griffin was the definition of unsung because he played 32 minutes last night. Speaking of unsung, Derek White was not expected to be shooting 43.4% from three. Grant Williams, not expected to be shooting 45% off the bench from three. Sam Hauser was not expected to be shooting 45.3% from three and 49.4% <laughs> overall. Our ultra energy guy, the one you might have been expecting to shoot well from three, Peyton Pritchard, he's the low guy at 36.8% from three. Al Horford taking less money to sing with the Celtics, shooting 46% from the field. Jalen Brown with zero turnovers in the past three games. Marcus Smart ranking 17th in the NBA from turnover ratio. Our MVP, Jason Tatum, would be singing, except he's too busy picking Kevin Durant's pocket over and over again. 
And I did you did out. you write all these down? Or, yeah, or, I did. Or is this? Yeah, <laughs> of course I, he did. He's prepared, baby. Because I take because I take my cue from Jay King, the best writer in the entire realm of the athletic. That's what I. Wow. Do. Thank you. Damn right. And I haven't even brought up that Rob Williams will be singing when he's returned, whenever he wants, because the Celtics are twenty and five. And Blake Griffin is apparently playing 32 minutes a night. Sure, I hope he can ease in, ease in. I feel confident in saying only one thing, and that this Celtics team will still beat the Bucs no matter what happens with Chris Middleton the rest of this season. So to finish my quick hitter with the question, do you think that Blake Griffin playing 32 minutes a night will help Robert Williams ease into playing shape? Because I know that's one of our big concerns. Uh, I, I think, yeah, there's no pressure to play Robert Williams a lot right away. Luke Cornette has proven a viable backup center. Um, Blake Griffin has been serviceable when needed on the second leg of back to backs. The Celtics, I feel like, honestly, they, they probably did a bad job managing the center spot early in the season. Like Noah Vonley was playing a lot of minutes. Um, Cornette wasn't playing at all. But Missoula kind of fixed that, addressed that. Now Cornette is their regular backup center. Griffin is the fill-in starter uh, when Horford sits. And they just found something that I think works. Uh, so, yeah, like there's no pressure on Robert Williams to come back and play 30 minutes right away. They they can kind of build him up and and do it so that with a focus on him being healthy long-term, which is really what matters, um, him being ready in April so that he's not hobbling around like he had to do in the playoffs last season. Like when he when he was right, and he wasn't even all the way right, but he was semi-right during parts of that Warrior series, and he was such a difference maker. He was the ultimate difference maker. Like when he was on the court, the Warriors had so much more trouble getting to the rim. The The Celtics had so much more success. And and that was with him, like, not really right. Not not fully able to to be athletic and, and, and jump and, and do all the stuff that, that he normally does. So if they can get him back to being healthy, like, that is such, such an important addition to this Celtics team but I I do think I I said this to somebody the other day I think I was chatting with my guy Tim Bontemps and I I said I think when Robert Williams comes back and sounds like that's pretty soon according to Joe Mazzulla I think that will be the Celtics worst stretch of basketball of the season like right when he comes back and they have to adjust to having him and he's not fully right and that's okay. Like it doesn't really matter if they lose a few games because Robert Williams is is getting reacclimated. Like it, that really doesn't matter. Um, but I do think for like a little while, while he's still working back into things, like it's going to be tough to tough to add him. Like right now, that they're really like operating like a machine, and now you're bringing in this super important piece who's probably not at the level that he usually is just because he hasn't played for such a long time. Um, I do think there's, there's probably going to be like some Rocky moments for the Celtics once Rob gets back, but 
that doesn't matter at all as long yeah. as he's that difference maker in the playoffs. I think it's like how much are you just trying to put an emphasis on getting him back to like playing 30 minutes a game or how much you're just trying to like win individual basketball games because like, I don't know, they could just have him come back and just play the Luke Cornette role and play like 15 minutes a night and you're not going to get him to where you need him to be, but you still probably win basketball games and make it less of an adjustment. But I agree. I think there's needs to be more of an emphasis of like getting them in a rhythm with everyone playing comfortably. And I don't think he's going to like hurt the offense, his vertical spacing. And it's like, he's a good passer. I think it's going to work out for the Celtics. I feel like they're in a good position. It's just going to be interesting to see when he actually does come back. Um, Cause I didn't think he was going to come back before Christmas, but given where he is now, that uh, might be the case that he's could be here sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But before we go, I, I got to, uh, I, I got to shout out my guy, Joe. So this, this guy, Joe came up to me, introduced himself, called himself a big fan, whatever. And then, and then like a few minutes later revealed that he, he was not a uh, subscriber to the athletic. <laughs> big and fan of the pod then. So b- big, big fan of me only because he's never read my, my work, which, which well, I can he- appreciate, but, but I made a deal with him that if he subscribed to The Athletic on the spot, then I would share his two hottest takes. Ooh, I like this. This is a, if Yeah, if you guys subscribe to The Athletic in front of us, we'll share your takes on the podcast. So so Joe, Joe's hottest take, number one, is that Luka Doncic is, and I, I'm quoting Joe here, a fucking fraudulent MVP candidate. And... Hot take number two. Hold on, hold on. I got. Well, let's react to that. Um, yeah, I can. I can see it. The Mavericks aren't very good. Uh, I, I'll buy it, Joe. I'll, I'll buy it a little bit. <laughs> the Mavericks are not very good. If they continue to be as mediocre as they have been, Luca probably will not win MVP, especially with all the other guys who have had fantastic seasons so far. Um. But Joe was very passionate about that take. And then take number two is that Marcus Smart should be an all-star. That's a bold take. Did he have any facts to back this up? Uh, no. He he just he was he's a big Marcus Smart guy and thinks Smart should be an all-star. Uh and I was kinda after he said I was kind of trying to like go through in my head what it would take for Smart to make the all-star team. And I love Marcus Smart. I trust Marcus Smart. I don't think there's any way Marcus Smart's going to be an all-star. So the the only kind of like thing that I I like the support for it is that like when the Hawks had their ridiculous start to the season, however many years ago, Kyle Corver was an all-star. You know, yeah, and, but I think the league Kyle is Corver so much all-star. deeper. This league is so much deeper now than it was when Kyle Korver was an all-star. Like, yes. I understand you can get away, get me like, oh, yeah, this... It's like, say the Celtics are... Don't lose a game. I don't think that automatically that's going to put in Marcus Smart to the all-star game unless he starts averaging, like, 20 points a game. Like, do you even know if Jalen Brown's a guaranteed all-star at this point? Jalen Brown will likely be an all-star. I think he will be, but I don't. I think it's it's not guaranteed in a way just because of the league. I feel like there's so many more 
stars and so many like higher quality players where you you, you just don't know at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and Smart's all-star case has never been stronger. Let's let's say that way. He's not going to make the all-star team. But but his all-star case has never been stronger. He's averaging 12 and 8. He's shooting 45% from the field, which is so far beyond what he's ever shot in his life. His highest field goal percentage before this season was 42.2%, and he's at 45.3 right now. Uh his his three-point shooting almost a career high, 35.7%. The one step back he hit against Toronto was just stupid. And I mean that it was like it was really a stupid shot. It was. was. It was a poor decision. (laughs) But it went in. It went in. Uh, And every once in a while, the the smart heat check works out. Um, But he is really important to to them on both sides of the court. And I think his his importance to the offense is like it was so evident when he was not there against Brooklyn. The ball movement stopped. The player movement wasn't nearly the same. Like he just, he runs a lot of what they do, um, and his chemistry with Tatum, like the end of that Raptors <laughs> game, the when Tatum's or the Smart Tatum pick and roll with Tatum as the screener, and just how many times Smart got Tatum the ball with like at the at the basically the foul line with some space, it just makes it Tatum that much more dangerous. I feel like Smart is just always make it like looking to like set his teammates up and, and get his guys in the right position. I feel like they, like he's just, he's clicking with basically the entire team. And let's not forget. He was the one who called out the stars for, uh, for not passing enough about uh, a year ago. Um, so he must be loving this, like kind of basketball where they're playing the heavy assists, um, and the ball movement. Uh, and I feel like he's a major part of that. Indeed. So shout out to my guy, Joe, who did sign up for the athletic on the spot. Which um, you guys should do too, or you can just accost us in public, and then uh, we'll reveal all your takes uh, as long as you sign up for the athletic in front of us. Jay King will then um, say your opinions on this basketball podcast, which some people would call anything is possible. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.